Today, I want to talk to you with a message I've entitled, An Advocating Life. An Advocating Life. So what is an advocate? An advocate moves and acts on behalf of others. When you're an advocate, you champion others. You believe in others. You take up their cause. You champion their cause. In other words, you are a lifter of people. An advocate goes and excavates the dreams and the needs and, and the desires of another person, comes alongside of them, and helps to see them come to pass. An advocate. The power of an advocate. Paul was an advocate. I, I was thinking about a good friend of mine, Pastor Jeff Little. He preaches here once or twice, probably once a year, maybe 18 months. And a great friend of mine. I was, matter of fact, in Dallas a couple weeks ago, preaching at his church on a Monday night. And it's, they were doing prepare. Matter of fact, they were doing prepare. We, we learned that from them, that name prepare. And we were there. It was a big night, revival, packed out. And so I'm standing there. And the next thing you know, this young kid, he's about 17 years old, takes the microphone and he's getting ready to go up on the stage and like do the announcements. And so I leaned over to Pastor Jeff and said, who's that guy? He goes, oh, he's a young guy in our youth group. He's on fire. He's a great preacher. And I said, wow, man, that's awesome. He goes, he's been doing this since he's 16. He's getting ready to preach to the whole church. I said, he's been doing this. So he's getting ready like to the youth group? No, the whole church. He's an incredible preacher. And then he turned to me. He says, my pastor allowed me to do the same thing at 16, and I see the same thing on this kid. How many are grateful that people can advocate, come on, and believe in us? Hey, by the way, even when we don't believe in ourselves, there is nobody, in my opinion, in the New Testament better than the Apostle Paul that demonstrates, that exemplifies the life of advocacy. Reminds me of a story of, true story, a great man we would all know, Winston Churchill, for those of you that are younger, maybe not experienced enough, maybe with world history, he was the prime minister several times, but specifically, probably the most important time was during World War II when he led Great Britain and really the Allied forces to defeat Nazi Germany. And now one could see that and read about his life and go, man, you know what? He must have had an amazing home life. His mom must have just told him he was a hero and a champion. His dad just probably coached the football team he played on. The truth is none of that is true. The fact is his dad, his mom, he said, I knew her, but she was distant from me. My dad thought I was a deplorable and rarely spoke to me. The truth is his family gave themselves to the aristocratic life in England, but, but, As a young boy, he had a nanny. Her name was Mrs. Everest. Matter of fact, he called her Womb, W-O-O-M. She was the one that first taught him about God. She was the one that first taught him about the scriptures. She was the one, listen, when he would cry, when his parents would reject him, there was another human being that believed in him. Can I tell you something? Psychologists will tell you this, that it only takes one person. If you can find one person that believes in you, that believes in, and helps to bring the dream out of you to be an advocate for you, it releases power in your soul. How many are grateful that Jesus does that for us? Come on. How many are grateful for that? Paul the apostle lived what I would call a life of advocacy for others. Think about when did that start? We have so many new people in all of our locations, 
many people around the world that watch us and and maybe you're new to Christianity and so they hear about the Apostle Paul. By the way, his name wasn't always the Apostle Paul. It was actually Saul, who was a persecutor of the church. He murdered Christians. Now, I know that may freak you out. The Apostle Paul that wrote half the New Testament prior to that was a Jewish zealot that actually persecuted the church, threw him in jail, persecuted, murdered Christians. Matter of fact, he had letters in his hand on the way to Damascus, Syria. In Acts chapter 9, the Bible says a light comes from heaven, knocks him to the ground, and he hears a voice. It's the Lord's voice. And he says, Paul, Paul, why? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? He has an encounter. He is literally transformed. He was going one way and literally did a 180. By the way, somebody goes, man, I met the Lord. I did a 360. Don't do that. You'll end up in the same place. <laughs> I was in the world. I went all the way around. I'm saying, no, 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 stop right here. Stay with the 180. That's called repent, go the other way, not end up in the back, same place. That's called backsliding. That was extra. But anyway, so, so Paul, Saul meets the Lord. He becomes Paul, the apostle Paul. I'm so grateful that Jesus didn't go, hey, before I really begin to use you, by the way, you, you got you to gotta go do a reputation repair service because you got some bad rap on you. I am so grateful that God uses people that are transformed, that had a bad rap, that now have a good rap because they serve a different God. I'm so grateful for that. Matter of fact, he recounts later in his life in Acts 26, so I said, who are you, Lord? Recounting that moment in Acts 9. And he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, but rise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you. Think of that encounter with God. On the road to Damascus, to imprison Christians, boom, God meets him. Don't tell me Jesus doesn't change people's lives. He changes people's lives. All right, now, check this out. So then he shows up in Jerusalem, Hey, guys, I changed jerseys. I used to have the Falcons on. Now I got a Saints jersey. Come on, somebody. So I just, no, really. I like, I got a different jersey on. You need to read about it. Acts chapter 9. And so all the, 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 the disciples in Jerusalem are like, what's up with this guy? It, well, what? they're like, are, are you, is he coming to kill us? Hey, can I take, and, and, and he's like, no, no, really. No, really. I'm one of you now. They rejected him. He walks back, but an advocate, an advocate took a hold of him. Acts chapter 9, verse 27. But Barnabas, ah, 26 is the rejection, 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Uh-uh, uh-uh, come back. Come back with me. And he declared to them, how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he'd spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. What would have happened to the apostle Paul if there would have been no advocate for him? Wow. What we could learn from Barnabas and then from the life of Paul is the power of coming along someone else and believing in their dream. We believe the Bible's clear that God has a plan for your life. Psalms 139, God has a plan, a beautiful plan for your life. God puts dreams and hopes and strengths and aptitudes, and God puts that on the inside of you. But, but, but it's, 
so important for someone to come alongside of you. How many of you would, if I give you a microphone, all of our locations, if I said, and you would say, it was a coach that believed in me. It was a teacher that believed in me. It was a mom, an uncle, an aunt. Somebody brought me to church. Somebody coached me. When I was upset and I was down and I wanted to quit, and they said, no, kid, you're not quitting. And that coach put his arm around you and walked you out there, and by the end of it, you said, I'm going to stay in the game. That's a biblical principle. That's a power, the power of advocacy. And there is no greater model than Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Philippians. I'm going to now go to chapter 2 with that backdrop in mind and advocating life. Now we read the scripture, Philippians 2, and we see the power of this so spelled out. Three characteristics of what I would call a dream releaser or an advocate. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not for only his own interests, but also for the interests of others. In this first verse, we see powerful traits of what I would call a dream releaser, another word for advocate. Look at the word consolation. Paul says, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, the word consolation is the word encouragement. By the way, do you know what the name Barnabas means? Son of consolation. Matter of fact, he did what his name actually was. And the scripture, Paul says, since there's encouragement in Christ, he says, since there's encouragement in Christ, there's comfort of love in Christ, there's the fellowship of the Spirit, there's affection, there's mercy. Paul begins to alliterate, he begins to depict different qualities and attributes that that we get to experience as being part of the kingdom of God. A relationship with Christ and then fleshed out in a relationship with others. And Paul says this, He says that this environment produces something. You're like-minded. You have the same love. You're one accord. Something happens when when people begin to consider others and and believe in them. And, And you go to a small group and you begin to pray for one another. And you begin to stand with one another and champion one another and care for one. Matter of fact, that begins to produce an environment, a greenhouse environment where things can grow. You show me a house where a parent believes in a child. You show me a church where people believe in one another. You, you show me a community where people believe. I'm telling you, it produces healthy things. There's good stuff in the soil. Good stuff. Good stuff. The Bible says that Paul was clear. That there was consolation in Christ, encouragement in Christ. I, I don't know where you've been in life. I don't know how you beat up you feel. What you feel like you've been through, brokenness in a relationship or hurt in your mind, wherever it is, there's encouragement in Christ. I don't care what anybody's told you. Maybe they've depicted a wrong picture of God. There's encouragement in Christ. God's not mad at you. He's trying to help you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to bless you. There's encouragement. Everyone say encouragement. There's encouragement. There's affection. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. Matter of fact, he was moved. The Bible says in Matthew 14, 14, when he looked upon the fields, what did he do? Want to kill everybody? No, he was moved with compassion. 
And by the way, when Christ is in you, when you see human need, it is impossible to not be moved with compassion. Why? Because you have the heart. Everyone say heart. So number one, an advocate or a dream releaser has the heart of Christ. They, 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 we have interests. It's not that we don't have needs, but we don't only live for our interests. We don't only live for our needs. We come up higher and we look out for the interests of others. Why? Because our heart, everyone say heart. And when Jesus saw them, he was moved with compassion. I was so grateful in Bible school. I graduated from college at Tulane in 91. Then I went to Bible school in Texas in 91, 2, and 3, then came back and went to uh, enrolled at the Baptist Seminary in 93. And what's interesting is when I was in Bible school, I went to Bible school allegedly to be trained for ministry. Truth is, I just, there was some real brokenness in my heart that just needed to get healed. And we're all in process. I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I want to be either. By the way, that's a, that's a, that should be a assuring thought to anybody in here. You're in process. You're in a crock pot on low. Come on, 70s generation. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I went to that Bible school, and the truth of the matter is, is that I went there, God, to, to, to get really ultimately healed. I remember I answered every single altar call they had. I mean, literally every altar call. They'd say, you know, about this. And my friend goes, that happened? He said, I don't know, but I just want to go up and get prayer. <laughs> by the way, by the way, there's no shame in coming up. That's why we, our altars are open. All of our locations after the service, we have trained altar workers to pray for you and encourage you. And you've come up every week. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. There's no shame with that. Not at all. There's a family, there was a family in our Bible school, the Bender family. I know we got a lot of Benders in the church here. They're not related to this family, but, and, and the Bender family was actually from New Orleans, not a connection with this family's in our church, but what's so interesting is they, they, they took me in and I would go over to their house and they had, a, they, they were a married couple and I lived in the singles dorm, but they lived in married uh, housing, and I would eat with them and cry with them, and they would love on me. Can I tell you something? They produced an environment where I could grow. Everybody say the heart of an advocate. Paul says there's not only a heart, but there also has to be the head of an advocate, the head of a dream releaser. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, look what he says. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind. So it's not just the heart. But the mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Some of your Bibles say, let this attitude, your thought process, let this mind be in you. The second element of a dream releaser is the head, our mindset, our perspective. The whole series is called Perspective Shift. Your life changes, not first when your circumstances change, but when your perspective changes. Your emotions are so connected to your perspective. And a dream releaser, an advocate, doesn't only have a heart of advocacy, but they have a head for advocacy. In other words, they, they're intentional about lifting other people. They strategically think it through. The way we think is important. A heart without a head would be a strange concoction. The heart or the head speaks of our thoughts, our mindset. It's equally as important as our heart. The heart is how we feel. The head is how we think. And when you show me somebody that really advocates for people and they really help people, I'm talking about genuinely help people. They have a heart that's moved with human need, but they have a mind that strategically thinks away the best to maximize that human need to get help. Yeah. 
Paul said, let this mind. So what are you saying, pastor? Your thinking matters. If you really want to be used of God and help hurting humanity and alleviate suffering and pain, you're thinking so correct. By the way, you're thinking about three things. Number one, about God. What you think about God is important. What you think about others is important. What you think about yourself is important. Number one, if you think that God is, you know, stingy, he's just up there mad, kind of ticked off at everybody, I mean, you're definitely not, you're going to live different. But if you think that he's a father that's always wanted children and that you can come to him, that you're not waking him up on a Sunday afternoon nap, then you'll approach God differently. By the way, if you think that God is limited, if you don't think that he's all-powerful, if you don't think that he's all-knowing, if you're theologically skewed in your perspective of God, then you'll think that God only has so much. And life only has so much. But that's not what the picture of the Bible is. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Everybody say all things. God is big enough, what? To bless you and to bless your neighbors and to bless your friends. In other words, if you, if you have a scarcity mentality, your thoughts about God are huge if you're really going to be an advocate to help other people. Because if you feel like there's only so much to go around, you'll protect at all costs what you've got. But if you understand that there's an abundance and that God will bless and that God can help somebody in India and Iowa, God can help somebody in Bangladesh and Biloxi. In other words, God is real big and can bless a lot of people. Your thinking is critical. Number one, about God. Number two, about others. What do you think about others? Ah, you know, people after all. That's where social media, oh man. Whew. Golly, it's just, it's just like social media gave an opportunity for the world, this is so gross, to vomit on people. <laughs> Literally. It's just like, now I have a platform. Ha, ha, ha. Let me run everybody down. It's toxic. Not always, but a lot of times. There's some good. We have a gentleman in our church that gives us a weather update. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and he's good, David. But anyway, so I want to be balanced. But how do you view people? How do you view people? If people are just, if everybody's just, they're out to get you and they're all bad. And now let me just tell everybody, listen, theologically, what the Bible teaches and what I believe, every single human being is made in the image of God. They're not God, but they're made in the image of God. They are moral creatures. We are made in the image, the likeness, and the dominion of God. Number two, talking about the value of people. Jesus died for the whole world. Can I tell you something? You don't go into a store and pay top dollar for junk. How many know the blood of Jesus wasn't paid for junk? We're valuable to God. We're valuable to God. How do you view people? Yeah, people, yeah, yeah. And I believe in human depravity. I believe in the fallen nature of man, but I also believe in the image of God and the redemptive power of Christ. And I'm gonna tell you some people are valuable. When you see people as valuable, it shifts things. Yeah. Don't buy into the cultural motif of criticism and cynicism. Second Corinthians 4, 7, Paul says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power of God, the power may be of God and not of us. There's a treasure. God has put treasure in us. The gospel, his life, his kingdom. Number one, what is your view of God? Do you believe that God has only got so much? Then you'll inordinately protect what you have because that's all there is. Or do you see a God of abundance? Number two, do you see people valuable to God? And number three, 
How do you see yourself? We need to have accurate thoughts about ourselves. We need to see ourselves as also valuable to God. You show me somebody that has a poor self-image, a broken self-concept, they lack a true sense of self, it's very difficult for them to give themselves away. Why? Because they're so hyper-conscious about what people think about them, and not to suggest that we don't think what other people think, but inordinately thinking about it actually entraps you to immobilize you in forward progress. You can't help other people. It's very important that you understand this. The Bible teaches self-denial. It doesn't teach self-hatred. We deny ourselves. Yes. What does that mean to deny ourselves? It means we pick up our cross. What does that mean? There are moments where we say no to this. We say no to the world and yes to God. But it, it, doesn't, teach, it doesn't teach self-flagellation, self-abasement, self-depreciation. I'm trash. I'm no good. I'm just a loser. No, you're made in the image of God. You've been washed by the blood of Christ if you're a believer. You've been transformed. You have the gift of God on the inside of you. My prayer for you is your pastor. You'll see yourself the way God sees you. Number one, you'll see God. Number two, you'll see others. Number three, you'll see yourself. The, the, the great commandment, the two, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as your what? Say it. Self. That's not an inordinate self-love that's gross. That's a healthy self-concept. I'm loved by God. You need to have that to advocate for others. Number three, in conclusion, the hands of a dream releaser. Everyone say, heart. Hearts are moved. Pastor, I want to help people. Then ask God to give you his heart for people. Number two, head. We need to strategically think through allocation of time, resource, intentionality, our schedule. If our schedule is so packed on just our own interest and there's not, there's not margin for volunteering, there's not margin for... By the way, I want to say this. I'm so grateful for the 1,000 small group leaders at all of our locations that have said yes to open your homes wherever you are to lead people during this series. Can we honor those 1,000? Come on, those group leaders. We love you and we thank you. We thank you. You have to be strategic. You have to think through your schedule. You have to be moved in your heart. You have to think in your mind. But you also got to be willing to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty. It's the hands of an advocate, the hands of a dream releaser. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. Jesus, he's speaking of Jesus, taking on the form of a bondservant. Think of the complexity of that statement. The king of the earth, the king of the universe takes on the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Talk about an advocate. The scripture is one of the most profound passages, I believe, in the entire New Testament. Jesus turned the world upside down when he came in the form. He temporarily laid aside his divine privileges of living in, think of that, and came to the earth. Why did, he, why, why did he roll up his sleeves and say, I'm willing to get dirty? I'll tell you why. Because he was a dream releaser. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. When you think propositionally of the power of that statement, wow, it's overwhelming. He came to serve us, to care for us, to love. Yes, we serve the Lord, but you don't serve him first. First, he served you. Think of that. At the Last Supper, we now call it the Last Supper. 
which indicates there was previous suppers. He connected with his disciples all the time. And he's now, on Thursday evening, the night of his betrayal, and of course the next morning, the crucifixion, Good Friday. He is giving one last picture of what it means to be a true advocate. Not just the heart. Not just the head. But the hands. In John chapter 13, the Bible says, Jesus, knowing all things, all things have been given to him by the Father. He was going back to the Father. He knew his purpose down here. The Bible says he laid aside his garment. He took up a towel. And he began to wash the feet of the disciples. It's not just the heart. Pastor, I want to be moved to help people. you got to ask the Lord to give you his heart for people. And allow yourself to feel. Yeah. Number two, you got to strategically think through your schedule and your time allocation. It's one thing to have a heart, but if, you don't th- if, if there's no margin in your schedule, if there's no margin in your life where you actually can give time to people, where you can actually do something to advocate for other people. It's not that we don't look out for our interests. Paul did not say, never look out for your interests. He says, don't just look out for your interests, but look out for the interests of others. Have a head of an advocate but then you got to have hands. And let me tell you, when you're willing to get dirty, you're willing to get in the midst. I, I am so grateful that Jesus was willing to get dirty for me. He was willing to walk the road for me. I thank God for the men and the different people that have advocated for me, that have believed in me. The, 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 there's something about that. I, I think one of the greatest ways that we can advocate for others, and I want to honor the people in our church, we have a thriving burgeoning, developing, whatever term you want to use, foster care ministry in our church. They don't know I'm going to do this, but I want to honor Dory Kelly and her husband with Enduring Hope. Dory does an amazing job, a mom, an advocate, a foster mom. You need to find out about Enduring Hope. It is incredible. Can we honor Dory Kelly? I don't even know where she is, what service. Does amazing. We support her. This is, this, hey, this is beyond heart, beyond head. This is hands. So grateful for Chelsea Cox, who works at Church of the King, and she's amazing, her and her husband. So grateful for all of these women and men. I'm so grateful for Christy Delvalcourt. Matter of fact, I just thought of Christy, in our, who works for us as well. She's, I won't tell you her age. You're not supposed to do that as a woman, but she's not a young lady, and she's, a, she's still fostering. She's young. Excuse me. She's young. <laughs> Very young. Probably 20. I'm sorry, I gotta get out of this analogy. <laughs> She's fostering, I think, one or two, two children right now. That, that's not just, you can be moved in a message like this, but then you gotta think strategically, but then you gotta do something. I'm gonna show you this short video of this couple that was in our church for many years. He's a principal at a school now in Indiana. Check this out, I'll be right back. This will move you. We were driving home from church one day, and as we were coming out of the church service, uh, Elizabeth said, you know, I have something to ask you. How do you feel about adopting? I think we should adopt. And I said, wow. I was literally just thinking the same thing. I taught fifth grade for about seven years. I was coming home from school, and Elizabeth called me, and she said, I got the craziest call today. I think that one of the students that they want us to foster is in your class. 
First time I met him, it was at a school, and I just walked up and I immediately fell in love with him. I was like, that's my son. For him, I think it was harder to, wait, now you're my parents, but you were strangers a few minutes ago, you know, and that's kind of the difficulty of adoption sometimes. Our son, he just, he just had a lot of challenges, uh, you know, trusting and knowing that people were there to, to care for him. He had such a sense of hopelessness um, at that part of his life. For us, there were 22 different foster homes for the last 11 years. So uh, there was a lot to, to deal with. He just progressively started to have behaviors that were an outward expression of what he was feeling inwardly. I just remember crying out to him being like, Lord, is this ever gonna get better? We started to seek out some different treatment options for him. And uh, even though we had tried everything in the past and we finally found somewhere that was amazing and perfect for him. Since he's been able to receive that treatment, he has made phenomenal growth. He is doing much better. He's doing well in school. He um, has goals for the future. He has a hope for the future. He's growing in his relationship with Christ. It started out with us just being wholeheartedly uh, willing to, to do whatever we felt Christ was calling us to do. So we jumped right into it from there. And uh, we didn't have all of the answers. We didn't have all of the pieces. Um, but we knew that we wanted to serve Christ with whatever we were going to do. What we've learned over the, the last few years is that uh, no matter what we've been through, no matter what we're going through, God is the one that's going to bring us through it all. And he, he's always been there and he always will be. We know that we're still all smack dab in the middle of a healing story. It's not over. There's a lot more healing to be done. Um, but it's been really cool to watch God's promises come through. What, what a powerful, powerful testimony. I, I, I'll close with this. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful of what Christ has done for me. No human being can change the human heart. Only Jesus can. I, I don't know where you are. Matter of fact, whatever location, those watching, all, I don't know where you are, but I know one thing. God knows where you are. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads right now. I've got literally one minute left. If you do not know Jesus... He loves you. He cares about you. He died on the cross for you. He came to this broken world for you. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. A church can't save you. I tell you who can save you. His name is Jesus. And I can point to him. Number one, we got to believe that we're sinners, that we've all fallen short. I have. All of us. Romans 3.23. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. Somebody had to die for your sin and my sin. And his name is Jesus. Are you at peace with God today? Have you received Christ? With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, the count of three, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. Pastor, pray for me. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you way up top. God bless you, every one of you. God bless you, sir. God loves you and he cares about you. Anybody else, pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Church, can we pray with those that are trusting Christ right now? It's the most important prayer they'll ever pray right here. And let's pray with them as a church family. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner 
in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Wow, what an amazing message and really a great time together in church with you this weekend. And I do want to take a second, like I do every single week, to talk to those of you who may be making a decision right now to give your lives to Jesus. If that's you, I just want to say congratulations from my heart to yours. I believe that's the best decision that you could ever make. And as a church, we're just so excited for you. And here's the thing, we believe that life is done better together and our heart for you is that you wouldn't do this thing called following Jesus on your own but that we really would be allowed the privilege of walking with you and really giving you some resources as you're beginning your new life with Christ. So if that's you, why don't you take a second right now and click the link in the chat room if you're watching it live or you can follow the instructions on the screen and really what that allows you to do is to follow a short form and to fill it out so that we can get a little bit of your information and really just follow up with you to give you some resources and some help as you're beginning to walk out this new life with Jesus. And again, we're so, so excited for you. And with that, our time is coming to a close, but we just wanna say thank you again for being with us. We're gonna continue our series, Perspective Shift, next weekend, so you're not gonna to wanna to miss it. Can't wait to see you there, and we hope you have an amazing week, and we'll see you here next weekend, same time, same place. Have an awesome week.